Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Vettel Can't Catch a Break. That is suggested by Nick on Twitter. A few runners up for you today. Sam Watley in there with Not Bad for a number three driver. Anton Beal suggested the Italian team won in Monza. No, not that one. And Jeff O'Boyle says, get in there, Lewis. Now wait 10 seconds. And uh, F1MO correctly points out that Pierre Gasly is now probably drunk. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. Good afternoon, Matt. And good happy birthday to you. Oh, shucks. I wasn't going to say anything. You know me. I don't like to be the centre of attention. But yes, since you mention it, 40 years old today. Could you believe it? Well, based on your yelling at clouds, I have to say it is plausible. Yes, but I can fool people. If you don't say 40 out loud, the fact that I am perennially about 10 pounds overweight adds a certain puffiness to my cheek that has fought the, the onset of wrinkles. So it's a good tactic, kids. Eat pie, stay young. I have heard this elsewhere. Right. So we did have a great race today. It was very exciting and completely different from a viewing point of view. I had Treeface next to me, my 10 year old, watching the race. And all of a sudden, Matt, I suddenly had to go, oh, hang on a minute. I don't really know who I'm who I'm rooting for here for this race win. I was a genuine neutral for the race win. And I haven't had that for quite a long time. Uh, yeah, it was quite exciting and it was thrilling to see new names at the front and young people at the front. Uh, and it was just it, it was literally a thing. We did not know who was going to win until the very, very, very last lap, which you don't often get in this sport. Yeah, but it wasn't partisan enough. So me and my boy were sat there as neutrals. I was like, this is no good. Right, let's pick sides so we can yell at each other. I land. I, I, I let my heart decide. I let my heart guide me. I'm like, who was I going to support in this fight? Gasly or Signs, and I will let you know the answer later in the show. Now, uh, Matt, I think we just want to set this out because this was a sort of crazy, somewhat random race. There was a lot of luck involved, but we are going to talk about luck. 
that doesn't mean we're taking anything away from anyone, but obviously it was a bit of an upside down result. So yes, a few people got handed luck. Some people took advantage of that and some people didn't, but it doesn't detract from the result. So when we say luck, I don't want anyone to think that I'm like taking stuff away. Yeah, the racing gods played with Mercedes for cruel sport today. There is no doubt about that. And we were entertained. Okay, I'm going to lay out some of my points uh, at the beginning of this podcast so you know just how angry to be at me. So I'm going to say right up front that I think Gasly will and should replace Albon at Red Bull immediately. Um, I'm going to argue that it's not simply a reverse of last season's season swap between those two drivers. I'm going to argue that Racing Point should have won this race. Lando Norris should have got a penalty and Ferrari lucked into a great result today. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Uh, we're also joined by our regular race analyst, uh, live from his living room. It's Alex Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? Good evening. It's going well. I'm. I think I's the first one of the first times I've sat down since the restart happened. <laughs> yes. I I, li- I did. I literally stood for the entirety of the second race. And for about 40 minutes after the race, I'm, and I'm still buzzing, and I've maybe picked up some rum to increase the buzz. Wow. Keep that buzz going. Rum also makes the sad go away. They should market that as medicine. But um, <laughs> you and I, you and I, we're both like Hamfosi. We both love Lewis Hamilton as a racing driver, and we generally want him to win. Uh, but, you know, without going into the penalty or, or the reasons why, when he got the penalty, I kind of went, huh, good. <laughs> Well, considering where other people were and considering the fact that the order looked like a um, wet practice session, it was it was always going to be an amazing spiced up race. I, I can't wait to talk about it. Brilliant. And we're also joined by BBC Cambridgeshire presenter uh, Ellen Ellard. Hello, Ellen. Hello, Spanners. How's it going? We are we what I haven't done with you. I don't think we've established where your fanboy sorry force of habit where your fanboy credentials lie are you also ham yeah definitely um but i have to say huge lando norris fan of course <laughs> right in that case you and i are probably going to fall out today because i think he did the dirty and we're going to get to that in whose fault is this uh but first uh let's go on to the action before the race Okay, Matt, no more party mode. The FIA finally did it. They finally did it. They looked at the advantage they had in qualifying and they got rid of it. They said no more. And poor Mercedes, they they were barely a second ahead of the field. Yeah, it does very much seem like all of this sound and fury represented absolutely nothing when it came to the running order in qualifying because Mercedes was, you know, just barely eight tenths ahead, barely eight tenths ahead <laughs> of the entire rest of the field. But what was interesting was the um, FAA was also very concerned. I don't know if you remember last year, there was this big kerfuffle at the end of the third qualifying session and only one person sat at a time. And there was all kinds of slow speed maneuvering and disasters. Um, And so they decided they were going to fix it because we've had some problems with it this season as well. They decided they were going to fix it by setting a maximum lap time of one minute, 43 seconds for your outlap and for your inlap and problematically that was both too slow to still solve all the problems 
but too fast to let the cars fully recharge their batteries after their first hot lap. So they couldn't charge them all the way in when they were coming in. And it just led to all, well, pretty much the same kind of problem that we saw last year, just in a different way. So it, it was a, um, it was a good attempt, but clearly it didn't work. And this is going to be an issue going forward, uh, especially at any track where there's a tow or there, there's a desire to use someone else's breaking the air for you to gain an advantage in your own qualifying lap time. The tow is five to eight seconds back. If you're too close, you lose time in the turns. And if you're too far away, you don't get the tow. And it was all a big battle to get the tow yeah. on your final qualifying lap. So for the first qualifying session, I think it was Mercedes came out with about three minutes to go. And it just wound up being an utter mess. We had the same thing. Some people going super fast, trying to pass other people. We had other people going slow, trying to back up and get space. So they had a proper thing. And it was all complicated because they had this minute 43 time. So some people who were going slower, like, oh, I got to speed up to not get dinged by the stewards. And other people were like, oh, I've got a little extra time. Let me back off. It, It was a whole mess. And we even saw and had the question settled once and for all that if I'm on a hot lap, and let's say Alex is on a hot lap, that I can properly flat out race him Yeah, if he thinks he wants to pass me. Because this is what we absolutely had between Ocon and Raikkonen, where Raikkonen was trying to get round him. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on a hot lap too. I don't think I'm just going to let you by. And it went to the stewards and there was no further action. So there it is definitively settled. All the weaving and stuff like that had to do with the outlaps when you were going slow and not letting people who wanted to go faster by. Uh, uh, Alex, I I loved all the all the the barging for for position, and I love it when the guys are trying to hook up a a toe, and like it either works or it doesn't work, and it reveals so much about how the team works together. I was sort of a bit disappointed when you know like Mercedes go, ah, we're not going to bother. But with Ferrari, I think you know they possibly would have wanted them to have a toe, but they just both went, nah, we're 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 okay, we're good. But I, I love that tactic. I love seeing them try and have a toe and adding that element to it. From an entertainment point of view, I can understand why people enjoy it. For me, it looks a little bit amateur hour that they can't all get out of their own way. Um, Yeah, watching them try and race was quite interesting, but I want to see who can set the fast laps and they're all messing about just trying to chop and change. And, you know, at least it wasn't as bad as last year because I, I, I had a fit last year. I got really upset last year. Um, so at least it wasn't quite as bad as that. Um, I just wanted to get on with it. And if they all just got on with it, we wouldn't have the problem. But they're too busy jockeying for position. Seb probably would have got out of Q3 if he'd just gone and done a lap because he only missed out by half a tenth and he could have beaten that just by going around on his own. But he was too busy trying to look for a drag to get more than that. Uh, right, I'm going to upset Ellen straight away. Obviously, uh, you and I both work for BBC Radio Cambridgeshire, and we claim George Russell. All those Norfolk people, are, uh, they're stupid. They, their claim is invalid. Cambridgeshire educated uh, George Russell. Did you kind of notice t- today and in the last few weeks, we've seen him kind of puffing his chest out, chest out and getting kind of very vocal and animated? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure where this has come from because... He's had some really good performances over the past couple of weeks. And I don't know whether, you know, well, in qualifying, let's say, because yeah. obviously let's not let's not turn on the races. Um, but yeah, and I just don't know whether it was him expecting maybe a bit more and maybe trying to ex- just sort of, yeah, expect more from the car and the setup. Yeah. And 
just sort of not just I don't re- I didn't really enjoy how he vocalized it let's say that I just think he's going around and he's trying to make some bold claims but I, I don't know I, I'm not really enjoying it when when he does get his head down he can produce some great performances I think it is 100% bred out of frustration he has now spent best part of year and a half in a team that's underperforming, he feels he should be fighting with Lando. He should be fighting with his mates, basically up out the front and Albon. Um, but he's not, and the car's not getting any quicker. And then the team send him out in traffic when he didn't want to go out in traffic. He just wanted to go and do his lap. And I think he's just building up with frustration. And with the new team coming in to take over the Williams side of things, he maybe wants to stamp some authority to really show that I am your number one driver and I'm going to put input in. The fact that I've only been here a year and a half is irrelevant. Oh, it was too much though. It was too much for me to like just start spitting out and going, you know, we we need to be taking advantage of this. We don't need to be the ones messing up. But he's, he, the, the time he stepped over the line was going, you've basically, you've put me out in the wrong place. And then you could see he had a chance to calm down in the post-race interviews and he's gone, I'm not pointing any fingers, not pointing any fingers to anyone, but I was told specifically to go out at the wrong time. So Derek, who sat there on the pit wall with a button, he's like, well, I'm the one who told you to go out then. So you're clearly blaming me. But then we've seen it as well. He's puffed out his chest when uh, when he was defending Albon too. He is almost talking kind of like a like an eight-year driver and not a 1.5-year driver. But Alex, if you look at Paul DeResta, I always suspect that he talked himself out of a drive on the team radio. So you literally can do that. And with new owners coming in, you don't want to show that you're like a bit of a, a bit of a git on the radio. But I don't think the resta had the pace and potential that George does. I think it's very much well known that George, George is a prospect for the future. Um, and he should be up there fighting with the others, but he's in a team that can't currently do it. Um, and We've, it's not like we've never heard a driver complain about being put out in the wrong place before. It's highly emotive. He's done really well in mm. qualifying this year. He's got out of qualifying three, th- four, uh, five times, I think, this year, which is a- amazing for a Williams in the last few years. And he feels he had the opportunity to do that yesterday. And he was put in a position where he couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, do, do you know, Matt, I don't... Someone's just said in there, oh, did you hear Ocon after the race? Oh, am I judging... Am I judging uh, George Russell too harshly? Maybe because I'm expecting him, or maybe I'm being a bit prejudiced. I'm expecting him to be a, an, a good old-fashioned English gent, and that came across as a bit pushy. But you could see on on like Twitter afterwards, he went, oh, looking back, yeah, there's not a lot the team could have done. But I don't know. I just feel like a little bit of damage was done. Well, maybe to his reputation, per se, as being Mr. Super Nice Guy, but he would hardly be the first person to complain about being put out in traffic. I mean, I think Albin has complained about being put out in the wrong place before. And, you know, Russell did to a certain extent have the right of it. They were better off concentrating on their own race rather than getting sucked. Like they were messing themselves up. As Mercedes said, we found it better just to concentrate on getting our tires, our tires right and not really worry about getting the toe so much. Well, it may be that Russell essentially had the same message for the team. We're trying to be too precious with it here. And if last year taught us anything, it was just get on with it and make sure you've got enough time to do what you need to do to set off on your lap with the best possible conditions for you. Uh, Last point on Russell, Ian Frost in the chat room. Hello, chat room, by the way, Um, doesn't doesn't like our show running. So let's make this the last point. The, um, The thing that just popped into my head 
Russell's got a bit more punchy in the last couple of races. And it's been in the last couple of races that Bottas has been announced for another year at Mercedes. Mm. Could it also be his frustration of having to stay at Williams, what looks like again for another year, and not getting that Mercedes seat, seeing it being maybe not utilised to its maximum potential, might be frustrating for a young Mercedes driver. Uh, true. And um, and then I guess the last thing for qualifying is that um, Ocon definitely cheated in quality and your boy Ocon Matt he definitely blocked Kimi and should have got a penalty you're so right and that's why he got the penalty oh wait he didn't get a penalty it went to the stewards it wasn't illegal it was fine and in fact I would refer you to the end of the race where Raikkonen on soft tires and Ocon on soft tires Raikkonen went from position three to position I don't know out the back of the race and Ocon started 12th and wound up eighth but only because Hamilton passed him on the very last lap to take seventh away from him. So, yeah, he was right. Raikkonen did not have the car to go faster than him, and had he gotten in front of him, Ocon would have just passed him back, and their laps would have been even more ruined than they already were. And this goes back to FIA's rule, just simply not doing the job it was intended to do, which I guess we couldn't be too surprised at, because it seems like most regulations don't quite seem to do the job they're intended for. Let's move on to the race. False start regulations. Let's move on to the race. This segment of Missed Apex podcast is called Where the Race Was Won and Lost, and it's brought to you today by Lydia Cruz with a Z. Uh, She's looking for some support on patreon.com forward slash Lydia Cruz. Lydia is a patron of ours. So happy uh, to plug her her drawing uh, creations, and she is trying to make a living now out of being an illustrator. And um, I will post this on Twitter at some point, but I remember she drew a no-look picture of the Missed Apex crew map. I don't know if you remember. And the, the, the idea is that you look at the subject that you're drawing and then you draw it without, keeping your, without taking your eyes off the subject and then see what it looks like. And uh, yours was eerily close. She got the nose perfect. Yeah, I actually rather liked that drawing. <laughs> and uh, she is a good follow on Instagram, I will say. And uh, yeah, more power to her. I I, I hope that she is able to continue to drum up work for her illustrating and drawing. Uh, And I hope that makes up for uh, not winning comment of the week last week in a split decision. Uh, She's also a proud member of the anti underscore shaming coalition. I agree. Patreon.com forward slash Lydia Cruz with a Z. Matt, this is the point where we turn to you and ask you where the race was won and lost. And I think we're going to have to look at this race in two halves and an intermission. Well, we could, but um, I have cleverly noted the following thing, that the race could simply be boiled down to the following two points. One, the start. Two, Ferrari. Okay. The start and Ferrari. Ferrari weren't in this race, Matt. In fact, my <laughs> wife my wife looked up from her tablet after about you know two hours of me watching the TV and yelling every now and then, and uh, as the podium was going on, she looked up and she went, why isn't Vettel in F1 anymore? So I I really don't think that Ferrari featured in this race. But please tell me how the race was won and lost due to Ferrari. All right, fine. You want to know? I'll happily tell you. Who caused the first safety car? Oh, that's right. Magnussen with a Ferrari-powered car gave Hamilton his penalty. First safety car, Giovinazzi his penalty. Oh, right. And who caused the four-second gap between Carlos Sainz and Pierre Gasly after the red flag? Oh, yeah, that would be both Alfa Romeos in Ferrari-powered cars. So even though they couldn't be present at the front, 
Ferrari seemed bound and determined to wreck the race for Mercedes somehow. <laughs> okay, okay, so not really. Um, I mean, Ferrari is a footnote in this race, which for them will have been very disappointing. You know, they're, they are, you know, at their home Grand Prix and they will have been hoping for a lot more. Uh, in, in fact, just while we're talking about Ferrari briefly, I will, I will make my point that I think they lucked into a fantastic result. Uh, Van Jean, I know you haven't got a lot of love really for Ferrari, but I, I said before the race, the only way they get out of this with any pride is if they both just chug to a halt or bin it. Yeah, pretty much. They they are literally riding their very, very small wave until they get to 2022. And then they can actually finally, hopefully, produce a car that should be where Ferrari is. You know, as you said, I'm not a big Ferrari fan, but I do feel like they do need to be <laughs> fighting at the back. I will enjoy laughing at them for the next 18 months, though. Ah, I won't. <laughs> Only kidding. Uh, trumpets, let's continue then. Where was the race really won and lost? All right, well, if we're going to talk in real terms, the start, absolutely. Yeah. The start, absolutely, because it was that was where Botas had the terrible start. I mean, he didn't just lose one spot. He didn't just lose two spots. He lost, like, what, four? And he, and he had the big mistake out of the Lesmos that let Ricardo by. And then once he was back there, he was completely unable to get around anybody. And I'd say it's an interesting and ongoing argument as to whether that's just a failing of him as a driver or whether that's also a, a failing of the Mercedes in traffic because he was definitely having issues with his power unit overheating. So you're thinking Mercedes probably didn't plan for him to be there. <laughs> but regardless, Mercedes didn't have the straight line speed they needed to take advantage of the tow and the DRS zones the way certain other cars did when it mattered most. Um, Bottas could have hidden behind the Mercedes isn't very good at overtaking if his teammate hadn't had to come from the very, very back and do some <laughs> rather good overtaking and, on the less good tyre. And I take with a grain of salt, your point, but I'm going to ask you a question that I know I know the answer to, and you probably don't, which is exactly how many laps did Lewis Hamilton languish behind Albon after he caught him up before he got by him, and then only because Albon made a proper mistake and opened the door? It was three or four laps. Yeah, it was, and he was on Boom, the radio the saying, answer. he was on the radio saying, I've, I've, I've got nothing left. I can't get by him. Uh, there is a slight difference, I think. I think me and Alex have talked about, you know, the difference in the, the car body language between Hamilton and Bottas. Like Hamilton will hurry and be right on the back of someone's gearbox. And did Albon just make that mistake because he's terrible? Or did he make that mistake because there was, you know, he had a car full of, uh, because he had a car full of um, of Lewis Hamilton in his mirror. And Bottas just doesn't have that same level of aggression. We saw him miss out in fight after fight on the first lap and, and we've seen it before, so it's not it's not entirely unexpected. I mean, Jensen Button in the post-show was praising Danny Rick's move on Bottas into Ascari, but he actually went left, went right, Bottas barely moved and just slotted in down the inside. There was <laughs> no fight. He should have been in the middle of the road because you can't... Ascari is a difficult corner to overtake into because it's such a fast left-hander. And he should have been slap-bang in the middle of the circuit and then... Ricardo wouldn't have got past, but he's almost waved him by. But also talking about Hamilton harrying people, how often do we see people go off in front of Lewis? Because like, oh, he's chasing me. Schumacher used to have the same thing. And I don't like praising Schumacher, but 
It kind of feels relevant <laughs> these days. Um, but Schumacher used to do the same thing. He used to scare people off the road because it's like, oh, crap, I've got this guy behind me. I just think, like, just continuing the point, I just think Bottas last, like, lacked all aggression. And there was a lot of, you know, once he'd made the mistakes off the start, I mean, the reaction time was slow, so, so slow. Everyone else whizzed off and just left him sitting. And it was, it was so difficult because in the past he has moved well and recovered well, but he was immediately on the radio um, complaining about, about the problems and, it was never like really like conclusive of what the problems were. There was something to do with tire mm. pressure, and then when we got to when we got to the red flag, they were looking at the car and trying to place things back together. But just the desire to move forward, I just didn't think was there. Yeah, it, um, it was all it was defeatist, wasn't it? On the radio, he immediately started coming on the radio saying, oh, "I've got a puncher." So, well, okay, that explains it. Okay, you clearly don't have a puncher though, and then saying, "Well, now it's the engine settings." And my mind immediately went to um, Ready Player One, where that, you know, the bum uh, aunt's boyfriend is going, oh, it wasn't me, it was, the, it was the bad gloves. And I don't know, Ellen, I think just maybe like when you've got a bit of pride there, and instead of uh, going on the attack, he went on the defensive out loud. But that's how you lose races. You need to be fully confident that you can recover. And we've seen him recover in the past, and we have, you know, we have this year, but I just don't know why it wasn't there today. All right, Matt, let's uh, move on a little bit with uh, how the race was won and lost. So that's, I guess, kind of today, it's a bit of a story about how we won by one lost the traditional top contenders, if you like. Um, I instinctively, in a tweet, included Ferrari in those two, but Ferrari weren't going to bother anyone today at all. Um, however, you know, we lost Bottas in that way. There was, It feels like there was something maybe in his head. There was something maybe in the car and the way the cooling was going. But his initial reaction kind of betrayed that this doesn't feel right. I'm not in the right place. I don't have any confidence. It it didn't point to I've lost an element of front wing and I've got a bit of understeer. You know, he's not lost an element of front wing. The feel of the car might have been different. I mean, I think you can say like, oh, the car feels different. I think I have a puncture when it's some other problem. But what is interesting is they only had one engine mode to cope with today. And he absolutely was complaining more than a tiny bit about that. So party, no, party mode might not have made a big difference in qualifying. But in terms of Botas being stuck in this traffic and in terms of Mercedes' ability to deal with the cooling, it could have actually had rather a big impact on how the race was won and lost in this instance. The other thing that was also mentioned a lot during the whole race weekend was the Mercs were not quick in a straight line. They were one of the slowest in the speed traps through yeah. a lot of this weekend. And up against a Renault and a McLaren, which don't have the best engine, so they're probably likely running very, very skinny aero. Therefore, they become difficult to overtake because in the DRS, they could not overtake. Um, that's what uh, Hamilton had when he came up, against, um, came up against Albon, was he had the DRS wide open and was making absolutely no inroads to um, to Albon. So. Uh, that's a, a bit of a defence for Bottas, but he needs to be more aggressive in those situations. And then people asking in the chat room there, uh, what happened to Verstappen? I mean, Verstappen got a poor start as well. Uh, but really, the Red Bulls, neither Red Bull had the pace today, Matt. And um, I I had a, a whisper from a, a, a Red Bull a birdie that came and whispered in my ear and said that Red Bull knew they didn't have a good package. And in fact... Red Bull are not really happy with their package at all this season, but they are grateful that Ferrari being so bad 
is kind of disguising that and making them the second best team. But Red Bull clearly not happy with their setup and particularly not happy here today. Yeah, well, they had no reason to be happy. They weren't particularly competitive. They were obviously the third best team Mm. behind McLaren. And I don't think anyone would really want to argue with me about that at this point. But I want to go to the fact that they made a very significant change to their suspension layout at the beginning of the year. And that even for a team with the resources of Red Bull, with the aerodynamic genius of Red Bull, it is no small matter to make a big change like that and have it come out well. They're sort of nibbling and nobbling their way back into vague competitiveness. But this has never been a great track for them. And it absolutely showed the weakness that they currently have compared to, well, even, say, McLaren, Renault, Racing Point, never mind Mercedes. And, of course, uh, aside from Lewis's memory slip, thinking about racing Seb instead of Max, you know, Ferrari have happily taken themselves out of that picture, too. Okay, we've got to talk about that then. And uh, just in case anybody missed that in a post-race interview, uh, Lewis Hamilton was sat there and they said, um, you know, how did you feel today? And actually, Lewis Hamilton didn't seem terribly upset. Uh, he, you know, it's one of those things that happens. And he mentioned that specifically when he looked at his competitors, they hadn't had a particularly good race either, which kind of takes the sting out of it. And he said, obviously, I looked at the result. And when I saw that Seb had, oh, hang on, not Seb, Max had uh, not had also not finished. Suddenly that took the sting out of it. Um, and then he, he also then failed to mention that, you know, perhaps Bottas is one of his competitors as well. And that that might be a good thing that he hadn't finished high up. But I don't think Lewis would have been particularly disappointed today uh, to have been. If he's going to lose out on any race, I think this is the one to lose out on. Um, so let's talk about the penalty itself, because, oh, hang on. No, Matt's going to get upset. I, I, I can recognize in a twitch in your mouth, Matt, that I'm skipping ahead somewhat. somewhat. Well, if we're going to talk about the penalty, we should probably talk about the fact that Prior to that, and this is critical, you asked me where the race is won and lost, and Mm -hmm. I think three things. The first is the start. The second was Gasly being pitted on lap Mm, 20 by his team under the yellow flags before the safety car that caused both Hamilton and Giovinazzi to get the penalty, which we'll go on to in just a second. And I think, you know, um, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, somebody mentioned Ocon being a bit unhappy on the radio. Well, I did dial back the race and looked at it. At 20, Ocon was ahead of Gasly, and neither he nor Gasly were even into Parabolica when those yellows were thrown, and it was obviously going to be a safety car. And I do wonder if there might not have been a back and forth about whether or not to bring him in there. I think Ricardo was too far along to get pitted properly at that point. Anyway, maybe that's what it is. But regardless, the call of AlphaTauri and only them to bring Gasly in for tires in that yellow in that yellow flag period before it became a safety car was the reason they won the race today. No doubt about it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So clearly people will be pointing to that as an example of, of luck, but it does seem like it was just a very good team call. Yeah. There was no luck about it. They absolutely got it right. The yellows had been called. The yellows had been thrown before he was called in. They knew it was a safety car and they got him in before they closed the pit lane. That was very frustrating. I, I, I imagine, Ellen, you'd have been like like me and Alex, desperately hoping there wouldn't be a safety car. And it just feel, felt like it was right next to an open thing. Just push him through the thing. 
I'm gonna I don't know I don't want to disrupt it but I kind of was hoping for a safety car um not for any other reason than it would sort of halt the race for that time because McLarens were looking so strong and so comfortable it just seemed to work and in my head I was thinking yeah if there is a safety car now we can just and there's no mass disruption to the field yeah they could keep rolling as it was chip away couple more laps keep it going keep it going and we'd be in a better position come the end of the race. Ah, but, but there was some disruption, Alex. I mean, what I don't get was why did K Mag was so close to the pit lane? <laughs> why didn't he just roll into the pit lane? I don't get that. He, you know, it's and or, or why couldn't there was a big gap behind him? Why couldn't they pull him back? So I'm a bit I'm a bit confused as to why a safety car came out. I'm not disappointed because my my driver didn't do well, but. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it a bit weird though that when he pulled up, he was just like, "Oh, something broke," and that was that was all he said was, "Oh, something broke." Well, that's all we heard on the radio, and it was just like, "There we go." You know, we'll park it there, get out, hitch a ride back in when they push it in. You know, he's leant across the car as they roll it back up, and it just did seem a bit nonchalant to me. Yeah, if if it was Monaco, he'd have been on a he'd been on a yacht, Kimi Raikkonen style. I, I always wonder, you know, when they when some drivers pull over and they, they really look for the safety area and they pull over fantastically and you go, oh, that was brilliant. You know, he, he didn't want to disrupt the race. I know now, Alex, from our iRacing experience that the second everything like goes wrong for you, uh, you're like, oh, screw everyone else. I don't care. I'm limping. I don't care. I'll swerve around the track. I'll take everyone out. And I think I'd have that attitude as an F1 driver. Like, I would just stop it in the middle of the home straight. Oh, that's as far as it would go. Sorry. Um, that's not what happens. <laughs> I mean, I punt people off, but that's not what happens. No, I'm not saying you would do that. I'm saying I would do that. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I think a lot of the drivers do try, and I think they are drilled on yeah. where to pull over and all these different things. But when you've also got your engineer yelling in your ear, to stop, 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 because you're going to ruin the engine. You've already got a set amount of engines, blah, blah, blah. It does make it a little bit different. Uh, I'm being told that the gap was not wide enough to get the car through and they needed to crane it over, and that's why. Um, but also, if you just look at where he pulled over, it's it was on the inside of that, um, on the inside of that where the drivers tend to head on the exit of Parabolica anyway. So it was never going to be a simple and easy removal. Probably best they didn't crane the Haas because you saw what they did to the Ferrari. So, um, and the Haas was at least in one piece. Oh, I don't know. I will just make that little side bit bigger next time. And uh, and they had like a strategy board on there or something, or like a, they had a flip over flip chart. I was like, that's clearly not the place to, whatever. Do you know what? I'm, I'm not a track designer, so I'm not going to slag them off, Matt. No, no. It's, it, well, it's, it's the historic temple of speed. Duomo di Veloce in the Italian. And yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I do speak Italian. Ha, so there, a thing I can do you didn't know I could do. No, you don't. You learned some things from a phrase book on your last holiday. That's not the same. All right, so I learned six words. But those Good. six words include Duomo il Veloce, which means, you know, Temple of Speed-ish. It's a classic track. It is what it is. And we must remind ourselves that we're dealing with a reduced amount of marshals to sort these things out. And so... Again, we're just making the best okay. out of what is a very weird and odd life situation for pretty much all of us at this point. Okay, let's get to the thing that made the race, though. And look, let, let's be, um, let's not, let's not mess about here. You know, the, the fact that Lewis Hamilton got a penalty did make the race in many ways because that battle that we've seen uh, today 
has been happening all season. Like we've had a really, really competitive midfield and lots of people I know uh, only will get excited about those battles if they're right there at the front. I don't necessarily think that's the right way to look at it. I often point to 2013 when me and the rest of the Hamfosi weren't enjoying Lewis Hamilton uh, being at the front. We saw him qualify on pole occasionally and then fall further and further back down the grid as the tyres overheated. Um, but he was having great battles with Nico Hulkenberg in Korea, those kind of things. Uh, and um, Sebastian Vettel went on to dominate. But lots of people have said, you know, if, if it wasn't for Mercedes at the front ruining everything, we'd have fantastic racing. I would argue, Ellen, that we have got had the same racing today. It's just that it's put a focus on those guys. Yeah, I think I saw a quote earlier from Toto Wolf speaking to Sky in a different country saying that it wasn't a win for them, but it's a win for F1, that it just sort of brought the race forward. And we saw people racing that, you know, will just in some aspects of the race and in some races we might get ignored by the cameras and we'll just be sitting around where we don't see them and don't get that coverage or you know obviously we get the coverage but yeah. not they're not at the forefront of everyone's race it was so nice to see them be brought forward and given opportunities because you know down the line that's what they'll pride themselves on you know when they get the race wins whether it's luck that hands it to them or the ability to then compose themselves and perform when they're handed that chance. That's what they'll pride themselves on where they're looking for teams in the future. Yeah. So, so when we say, you know, luck, it's the, the luck element was that, yes, the front guys got stripped away today. We're saying Gasly being in that position wasn't down to luck. We know that Gasly and that Alpha Tori have been, uh, have been doing well all season. And Gasly in particular has been doing well all season. And that team combined with a good driver car combination for the midfield position. When the opportunity came, they made the right call. They put their their guy out front, Matt. But but you still have to acknowledge that obviously there's an element of luck to strip those those teams away. Lack of unreliability, something that people have been almost complaining about, but we got a bit today. Well, you say luck, and I say that only Lewis Hamilton and everyone's favorite, Antonio Giovinazzi, <laughs> pitted illegally. Oh, okay, okay. When Magnuson, when they closed the pit lane yeah. and every other team got this right. And yes. one of the details I had hoped to chase down but couldn't is exactly how race control communicates to the teams this seemingly critical information. Because I'm definitely with Lewis. If I was driving that car, there's no way I'd be looking way off to the left to see a little tiny cross on a light board telling me I can't come in the pit lane. So I'm depending on my race engineer and my team and the team told him to pit. Yeah. So that's your mistake. And that mistake, I don't know, you could call it luck because no one else made that mistake except for Giovinazzi. And well, you know, I yeah. mean, that's just there. You got what you got. So uh, I'm not going to blame Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, but, but yeah, it, 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 did, <laughs> it did seem like really like difficult and tricky to to spot those lights on the left. And uh, I've I've done it. Uh, OK, fine. Fair enough. I'm not a bastion of like racing. But I, I've done it on an indoor kart track, Alex, and I'm sure you've done it at the odd track as well, where I just sailed half a lap with um, with a red flag and there was red lights all around. And it's only when I got to the stopped traffic that I went, hell's going on here? There's been an accident. And then I slammed it on and the guy came over and he was like, dude, seriously. But it just didn't register. It didn't register in my mind. And at one of the Mist Apex karting events, I was wearing a GoPro and I, I got pulled over for... Uh, uh, overtaking under yellows and I could have sworn I would never do that kind of thing and then I looked back on the GoPro and was like oh no yeah no I I clearly overtook two people under yellows 
So that kind of light system can be reasonably difficult to pick up. Also, when was the last time the pit lane got closed? I don't under ever a safety car. I don't ever remember but, 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 but that, it happening. But that's my point. So I think actually the last time a pit lane got closed was when they were coming out of the pits in Canada in 2008 and Lewis drove into the back of Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> so that was so Lewis seems to not like pit lane closures. Um, but the thing is, is when you when that comes over and you see those boards, he probably had a glance and just saw a safety car and was like, okay, I've been told to box. Our box. You think? I think um, Brad mentioned that in a lot of the big endurance yeah. series that when a uh, a full course yellow comes, a code sixty in some of the big endurance races, or a safety car, or whatever, it, the race directors have access to all the cars' radios, which they do in Formula One. And so, why don't they just come on the radio and go, "Safety cars out, pit lanes closed," and then you don't have this problem. People are talking about lights and stuff on the entry to the pit lane. Well, that's pointless. Because if you're already in the pit lane seeing the lights, it's too late anyway. What's he going to do? Stop at the entry to the pit lane. Um, so it's it wasn't – the penalty they gave was the correct penalty, and they couldn't give more than that, but I think it was a bit harsh. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It is unusual. It is incredibly unusual. But that is exactly why it should be communicated from the team to Lewis, no matter what. You know, it's Formula One. Loads of unusual things can happen. We've seen loads of unusual things that can happen. They have to be prepared for that as a team and they have to get their strategy to communicate that and they have to be exactly on the ball. Or this is how mistakes like this happen. You know, no, I don't I think very few people will blame Lewis because, yeah. you know, like we were saying, so difficult to see that sign. But also, you know. Formula One is all about the team and Lewis, you know, to his credit, always goes on about the team. And this is just one point where instead of, you know, the driver letting the team down or the, t- the driver being in control, it's the team that have caused that issue. Mm. So, so I take your point, Ellen. It's very much like, say, an unsafe release penalty, where it's clearly the driver depends on his team members to get that right for him. But it's still the driver that gets penalized. In this case, what's also interesting is post-race. Carlos Sainz says, I was absolutely headed for the pits and my engineer had to get on the radio and say, no, 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 do not come in, do not come in, do not come in. And so he went round and you can look, you look at the pit, you look at the chart from Pirelli, only two people pitted on lap 20 were Lewis Hamilton and Antonio Giovinazzi. And like I said, for Giovinazzi, I don't know, but for, for Hamilton, yeah, they just, they either didn't have time to assess the information or they just plain got it wrong for him. Am I right? Giovinazzi actually went to the pits first, didn't he? He was quite far no. back. And... No, no, no. He was, came in after Hamilton. Did he? Okay. So that's, I think if they'd seen Hamilton come in, surely they'd have gone, yeah. someone would have made a note and gone, um, don't come in because actually you shouldn't be coming in. But I don't know. It, 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 was, it was a mess. And I guarantee for the next race, procedures for pit lane closures will be changed guaranteed yeah i think it's one of those it's a slam dunk penalty you can totally understand why it happened but yeah i don't don't mind i don't mind today i think that kind of worked out in everyone's favor except lewis right so the chat room is telling me that uh toto said that they got a four page a four page document from the fia and it was on page four of the document that the pit lane was closed so i don't know exactly how that works but that's that's what the chat room is telling me right now so i'm gonna have to go find that toto wolf interview after the podcast and have a listen. But when were they given that? When were they given that? Because presumably that was all dropped on them before. They need to be told and they need to be communicated quickly. When when did they receive the document? 
Okay. I guess it's as good as mine. Okay, look, let's move on. Hamilton got a penalty. They made a mistake. It's kind of understandable. Everything is as it should be. And I think Alex is right. They're definitely going to change that in the future. Um, the red light period, uh, an interesting little bit of a uh, of uh, insight into the relationship between Hamilton and his engineers. He had to serve that stop and go. And to me, it seemed in my amateur yellings at the TV that whatever he did, he was going to go uh, to the back of the grid. So it didn't really matter about building up a gap or whatever. Um, he was arguing with his engineers and it was just so interesting that then they had to bring in James Vowles to go, no, dude, honestly, th- this is the best way. Just come in straight away. Let's take it on the chin and let's protect ourselves from future stoppages and safety cars. Let's do it. Lewis Hamilton argues back. And it was just super interesting to hear the, trust me, do it this way, followed by silence where, I'm, I'm right, Alex, isn't it? Because you, can, you can't, you can't use that all the time. You can't use the trust me every day. But every now and then, if I do the trust me, I can use that as my currency. From a driver's point of view, and I said this as it was happening, I would want to be at the front without anything in front of me worrying me, getting to the first corner and plowing it for three laps until I had to serve the penalty. So I was with Lewis on that. But what I think the team were trying to defend against was a restart safety car. So if he ended up having a safety car on his second lap, he then completely loses all the advantage anyway. So I appreciate the point, but I got to hand it to Vowles for potentially having gotten for, for, for this mishap to have occurred. That was absolutely the right strategy. They put him on a tire that would go harder to the end than any other tire. As we saw, he was still making progress up the grid until the last lap. And you say, as a driver, you want nothing more than clear air. Well, guess what? He had almost 30, he had, uh, what, 16, 20 seconds, 30 seconds worth of clear air to drive into before he caught up to the back of the grid. And as you state, would another safety car occur, he gets caught right back up and he's got the tire advantage to the end. So it it was the correct call. But I understand Lewis wanting to do what you said. I am. Um, I, I agree. In the end, it was the right call. But from that point, from the point of view, he's like, if I can get to the first corner first, everyone might fight behind and I might gain more time mm-hmm. on the field. Because if he pits on the first lap, he's not gaining any time on the field. He was saying, I think he even said, I can gain five, six seconds in three laps, which would have actually made up for a lot more. And he would have come out 25 seconds back rather than 30 seconds back. All right, look, we've, we've got Hamilton lost the race. He's out of it. Let's stop talking about him. It's the rise of the midfield trumpets, something that we've been wanting to see all season, and it's it happened, and it was glorious. So uh, Lance Stroll gets... Okay, I'm going to come across as all bitter and Lance Strolly. I don't care, okay? It's going to get worse from here on in. If you don't like me sitting here talking about bad-mouthing Lance Stroll, it's probably best to tune out now. But he lucked into a... Uh, into the effective lead of the race behind Lewis Hamilton. Pierre Gasly threw that great uh, that great call to come in on the yellow flags, ended up in second place, and then we had the McLarens lined up behind. A uh, quick note, um, b- uh, during the pit stops, Alan, uh, your boy Norris, dirt, pure dirt. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was leaving himself room. He, he braked super late to make it look like, oh, no, it was just... Oh, I was going too fast. I didn't know. And just blocked Perez, Boo, and Ricardo behind. Can I say no comment? 
and we move on um yeah yeah I um I I can't argue with that but you know it is difficult you know he was trying to benefit Mm -hmm. and obviously benefit himself and the team and um yeah I just don't think it was fully he knew what he needed to do but probably just hadn't fully clocked what would happen if he did what he did and the then the impact on the rest of the field behind him see Alec this is that fine line this is the difference between the nice guys. Kyle Power would never, ever, ever do something like that. But you and Brad would look at that situation and go, double stack's going to hurt me here. Oh, no, yep. I, I accidentally broke too late. Definitely, 100%. But I'll be interested to know why he didn't get a penalty. Because mm. Kimmy got one a few years ago and Lewis got one, I think it was Bahrain, Lewis uh, yeah. got one for doing, funny enough, to Daniel Ricciardo as well, <laughs> um, did the exact same thing. So I be interested to know why Lando didn't get a penalty for that because yeah it is a slam dunk I've got I've got a theory and I think it is just because when the other guys that you mentioned did it they they let the gap just kind of naturally build and they were slowing up and it was a bit obvious Lando came into the pit kind of reasonably and then slammed the anchors on so it looked like your typical oh no I missed the marker board uh, Ellen you, yeah you on board with that yeah, I think he covered it well. I think he, <laughs> I 100% know he knew what he was doing. Um, but yeah, I think he covered it well, just enough to scrape under. Um, but I don't think he'll be making a habit of it again. Okay, so uh, let's see. In the in our chat room, I was trying to see if anyone's sort of defending that. Uh, Noah says, Norris didn't get a penalty because he did nothing wrong. Fair enough. Missed Apex podcast at gmail.com. Uh, send your emails to us. I, I'm not bad-mouthing Norris. I'm a Norris fan. Uh, but Alex, I just I think that was a little blatant in 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 that it was entirely deliberate, but very racing drivery. Oh, I, I I'm a massive Lando fan. I've been doing hashtag Lando since the start of last year. I love him, um, and he had pizza on his helmet this, this, this for this race, which made <laughs> me love him even more. But it's dirt dog, and he should have got a penalty, but he did a very good job of covering it. Expertly uh, done. Um, go on, Matt. Yeah. Give us give us give us some wisdom. Well, the thing I would really like to know is exactly how slow was Norris driving in that pit lane? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's going to be everything to do with whether or not he gets a penalty for it. I mean, was he like two or three kilometers under the limit or was he like 17? No, no, no. I think that's a difference. No, that's the genius of it. I'm going to move on from this, I promise. But the genius of it was, I think he was driving at a perfectly normal speed, actually not driving unnecessarily slowly, but just the, the act of having to slam the tabs on means that Perez is breaking hard means that Ricardo behind him is breaking hard, means voila, he has his gap. Um, and this is me just being a bitter Perez fan because Perez then just lost out to every man and his dog in that pit lane. And then, of course, the red flags come out, Matt. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It was a bad pit stop. In fact, the reason your boy Stroll, and I know you secretly like him despite what you say on the show, the reason your boy Stroll was where he was was because Raising Point booted the pit stop for Perez. It's not just that Norris slowed him down. Yeah. The stop for yeah, him yeah, yeah. itself was so bad, they told Stroll not to box. And that's why he was so far up the field when the red flags came out and that was caused by whose car again? Was that a red car that caused the red flag? Uh, Maybe a Ferrari? I don't know. Apparently uh, they, they said um, on the technical analysis that Leclerc's crash was caused by a, a lack of hope. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was the 2020 hope component just completely disappeared. Alex. Um, can we talk about his crash? For yeah, a go on, go on. That was blooming scary, especially because of what happened to Seb. Um, and I got a text from a friend of mine who said he just thought um, Vettel had got upset, so decided to drive through all the barriers when he actually had a brake failure. So I actually caught that impact of Leclerc's just before he hit the wall, and I thought he'd gone in full chat with a brake failure. But what had actually happened, he'd got halfway around the corner, lost the back, and thrown it into the wall. Properly scary moment, like mm. shut my kids up <laughs> until I saw, like, I was not happy until I saw Leclerc moving. That was properly, properly scary. That big, big shunt. Uh, less scary was when it was uh, Vettel's brake failure because that was actually pretty cool because he just had brake failure and just went straight through the polystyrene. And that's not how you're supposed to do it, but it looked brilliant. So I think, I, from, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, um, but I bet. I bet his pants were brown because I cannot <laughs> imagine what it must feel. I mean, I've had cart, cart brakes fail yeah, for I have. about I have, 50 yeah. miles an hour, and that was scary. I can't imagine what it must feel like at 220 miles an hour to put your foot on the middle pedal and it mm. not go and, and nothing happens. That oh. must have been so scary. Alex, I've had that at 20 miles an hour in a go-kart where I've just put, put the brake down and nothing's happened, and I've went straight into the tyre barrier, and I was like adrenaline was so like rushing through my body and i i treated it like it was basically a, a near miss near death incident and uh i should go back and apologize to the cart track marshals uh, matt i had that happen in a 77 caddy on the road at a fairly <laughs> high speed my brakes stopped working and i'll tell you those things weigh about five thousand pounds yep scary stuff it, it scary is, stuff it is terrifying <laughs> So we're all agreed that from now on, the winner of the race should go through a special polystyrene uh, set of borders that they put to the inside of the pit straight. And yeah, that's definitely, this is the best idea I've ever had. They build up, because it didn't damage Seb's car, did it? It wasn't dangerous. So they have a big checkered flag built out of polystyrene and the winner has to drive through it. Ellen, I cannot see a flaw in that plan. Isn't it just like hole in the wall? I think that's been done before. I think the concept, I think the concept's been and gone. Sorry, Spanners. You guys are radio DJs. You should be on hole in the wall at some point. <laughs> um, I'm no, still waiting. I, I guarantee Ferrari had a lot of bits of polystyrene to probably pull out of the radiators in the engine after we went through that. Okay, I just want to point out I'm not a DJ. I'm a, I'm a presenter. This is a big, this is a big difference. Same thing. The difference is I know nothing about music, so I don't want to claim I'm a DJ. Whereas Ellen, uh, you can be found on Saturday nights at 8pm on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire, 
uh, promoting brand new music, which is risky because a lot of new music is rubbish. Oh, no, not that we, we only play good music. Oh, right, okay. You're guaranteed two hours of good music with me. Yeah, I know because I definitely listen. But I, look, I can't because I'm 40 and all new young people music sounds like garbage hitting a fan very hard. I've lost it. I'm sorry, I can't. Ellen, I can't pretend. I can't lie to you. Fine. Fine, I'll listen. I'll send you some recommendations. I'll no, send you some recommendations. Soothing stuff. Now you've hit the now you've hit the 40 marks. Oh, stuff yeah. No, stuff. Um, you out. Relaxing. Things I can listen to in my slippers whilst complaining yeah. about people. That would be. Whale music. Brilliant. <laughs> Matt, rescue this man. I'm on, I'm on whale music and driving through polystyrene. I'm lost. Well, I, I don't remember the cathedral, <laughs> but there's a John Cage piece being played that's for Oregon at an incredibly slow tempo and it started about 10 or 12 years ago and I don't think it's due to wrap up for about another 20 years. It sounds like it might be about your speed at this point. Yeah, I think so. 40's going to hit me hard. It's going to be a long decade. Right, uh, no, where are we in the F1 show is what I meant, not where am I in my life. Oh, sorry. Uh, We were talking about the fact that the red flag allowed Lance Stroll to have an entirely yeah. free pit stop. He Crazy. Basically, for Lance Stroll and Lance Stroll only, the pit stop, minimum pit stop rule evaporated. He just rolled into the pits with everybody else on the red flag because they had to repair the barriers. They gave him new tires and he just started in second place. And you're thinking, boy, that's a race win if ever I've seen one, right? Yeah, man, because if you looked at the cars around, he's got Gasly behind him and you fancy a racing point to be uh, to be able to keep ahead of um of an alpha towery and you go yeah he's just he's he's got this free pit stop and there was loads of confusion on social media in my head i can't i can't remember the rule change but in my head i was like yes they definitely can change tires lance stroll is in the lead of this race so i tweeted that and loads of people like i think it might have just been like denial and anger (laughs) a lot of people just like no that can't be it can't be but yeah that was a relatively new rule matt wasn't it that now under red flags they could do whatever they wanted and this was to help in situations where um, the, 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 the conditions were changing so that you didn't have the situation where a car was having to go out on slicks suddenly onto a slightly damp track. Yeah, I think it was a clarification. It happened in Monaco a couple of years ago. Vettel put on new tires when there was a red flag event and there was much, much complaining mm. about it as there was about this. And it, and it is interesting because the rules allow you to do things like change your cooling, brake docks, wheels, tires, real accident damage, but you are subject to being uh, scrutinized. And Joe Bauer did go down because they, they worked kind of extensively on Botas' car to try and help him through the traffic. Um, and while that was going on, Lewis actually went to visit the stewards and have a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, not that it made any difference. Uh, But what's also interesting to me, and I don't know how you feel about this, if we have time for a quick diversion into the fairness of that rule, because Brad and our little WhatsApp chat thought it was thoroughly unfair for anyone to be allowed to change tires. And I'm just going to note that because of that, both Raikkonen, who had pitted the lap before Gasly, Mm. Latifi, who pitted uh, two laps before that, and Giovinazzi, who pitted illegally, were able to start up at the front. And especially for the alphas, they put them on soft tires. Yeah. And the and that created, by the time science got around him, he had a four-second gap to Gasly yes. that absolutely would mm. not have been there if Giovinazzi, who, who went two laps before he served his penalty, he was allowed to start in that position, even though he had a penalty, as was Hamilton. I'm just wondering, like, 
Okay. Do you think we should change this? Okay. Well, we're in charge of um, F1. So we'll go to uh, Alex Van Jean to, to find out. We're going to give you and Ellen a vote each. Um, and I will be a tiebreaker if you disagree. Uh, would you keep this rule or would you change it? I thought it was changed. Okay. Would That's you change it back? The- there we go. How's that? So, yeah, I, I, I thought it's not, it should be a case of unless the conditions have changed from dry to wet. You stick with the tires that you're on because the race is supposed to be neutralized. Mm. However, um, it does allow you to repair damage. So I think if you take away the option to change your tires, you also need to take away the option to repair damage and make changes to your car. Ooh, what about you can you effectively once your tires are worn, that's damage to your tires. So what about you can just replace your tires like for like, but that's not your mandatory pit stop. I think there was a conversation about that as oh, well, oh. which we which we may have thought, which was a case of. Uh, you can change your tires, but change them like for like. Which again, I think Brad went. Brad got very, very um, uppity during the um, during this period about this. He was very, very upset. Yeah, racing um, racing drivers are weird. Yeah, so um, no, I, I I very much think it should be the race is neutralised, status quo, nothing changes unless it's a conditions change. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, I think yeah, unless condi- conditions change, it's it's a red flag. It's you know it's postponing the race as it was and with the desire to go out and then resume racing as as it should be as it was before and I know you're not going to get that completely because they're all back together Mm. but I just think keeping that as close to race situations when the race went into red flag is is the best and I think it should be, be returned to that safety car restarts Ellen a couple of years ago, they talked about going to full standing grid starts after every safety car. Yes or no? Oh, part of me wants to say yes and part of me <laughs> wants to say no. Wouldn't it be fun? Um, but also, no, it's just it's just a hold up. And I think it can cause a lot of, of issues and frustration. Part of me, though, thinks that that would be yeah. great fun and amusement. And I think in an era where you know people are looking on f1 not being part of not being part of it not really knowing about about it and are overly critical i think that could bring an extra buzz but do we want that at the minute I, i'm not so sure matt our friend lurhand in the chat is suggesting that you can allow these sorts of things to happen the tire changes and the repairs but if you choose to do it you have to start from the pit lane and not from the grid oh yeah That's i think that would probably one. fix it wouldn't it that would probably fix that uh, so uh, guys yep. We had, oh, go on, Vanjie. Um, But to be fair, though, you talk about safety car restarts. My head instantly went, no, there's far too many safety cars uh, and it would just be a mess. But what if instead of a safety car, they just always red flag the race, bring everyone into the pits, then they can sort out the whole lapped cars thing. Oh, yes, please, geez. Run them, run them round, line them up on the grid, off they go. The only question I had, and I had this question as they were about to take off, is actually how many standing starts can an F1 clutch do? Um, at least then we, we now know they can do two starts. But I think, what do you want? I hate the safety car. I hate watching them run yeah. around the track for 10 laps. Yeah. Just winding away the race while um, ah. they try and fix stuff. If they could all just stop, mm. neutralize the race, fix the problem, and they'll be able to fix it with less with less panic. We've seen marshals need run over and stuff and yeah. they're trying to kick stuff off the circuit. Yeah. Um, I was at Canada a few years ago. Just stop the race. Stop the race. Fix everything that's going on. Send them around. Start the race again. Uh, okay, Alex. Good, 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 good point. Um, I think keeping them going around keeps them cool, stops them overheating. Once you stop, there's a lot of faff. They've got to get out. They're sitting there going, "Oh, is there time for a wee?" You know, that like me at the karting on Saturday. 
but uh, I just wanted to stop and say, if you like Alex Van Jean's analysis and appearance on the podcast, and people do, people do. I found you immensely irritating, like nearly Chris Stevens level irritating, uh, both in real life and the podcast. But I don't know, people like you. People write and they say, oh, that Van Jean, I like him. When's Van Jean coming back on? You are at Alex Van Jean on Twitter and you now have a thousand Twitter followers. So you're basically famous. 1,033 now, I think. It's Ooh. gone up a lot in the last few days, which is awesome. But um, the thing I'm now trying to plug is oh, my YouTube channel. So I'm now, doing, <laughs> I'm now doing a lot of streaming, a lot of streaming and iRacing. So if you want to see somebody crash early on in the race and then have a fight back, come and watch me on the stream. Um, or if you want me to be with Spanners, no. um, our friend don't Nick watch and it. Danny, watch and it. watch us shoot people online, no, um, you can come and watch all that. We have oh. some good fun. We have some good giggles. Please don't and, watch. Um, I'm f- going to even start making some vi- channels with some videos now please so don't. please like share and subscribe and click the bell notification icon i'm done now you can stop whining please stop don't watch that don't watch 40 year old me this avatar on a shooty gun game in vr going i don't know how to unload it why is the screen so no, close to that's my face not what happens i don't you get really serious about tactics and fall fully back into army mode it's an entirely different spanners um <laughs> when we're playing onward you are not the same person you are properly corporal Mr. Spanners and um, yeah, yeah, that's not how the army works. Person, uh, yes, uh, it's very realistic. It's alarmingly realistic. But sorry, we were talking about safety car restarts. Ellen, it occurred to me when I talked about your stuff earlier, uh, I didn't mention where to find you. Uh, you have underscores in your name, but despite that, I think you should promote and plug yourself on the Twitters and Instagram. So on Twitter, no, let me do Instagram first because okay. then I, I'm not susceptible to hate early on. Okay. Um, so I am on Instagram, Ellen underscore Ellard, um, E-L-L-A-R-D. There you go. Okay. Um, and on the Twitter, the Twitter, who am I? On Twitter, I am Ellen Ellard underscore. There we go. Just you can like attack you can't end on an underscore. It's ridiculous. But do follow uh, Ellen Ellard. How many followers do you have on Twitter, Ellen? I have, oh, my, my balance is really bad. My ratio is mm. awful. So I think I have over a thousand, but I also follow yeah. loads. Yeah, that's so the- either that's great because you can follow me and I'll likely follow you back. Um, but my, in- my Instagram though yeah. is nearly at 3000. Oh, wow. So that's impressive. That'd be nice if you could follow me on there. Um, that we call that the Chris Stevens method of following people and begging for them to follow him back. And then he claims he has a lot of followers. Uh, safety Please. car restarts. You know, I, I agree with Van Jean in a way. I don't like seeing them just wasting time behind the safety car and wasting five actual race laps. At least today, when they stopped and red flagged, the 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 race laps didn't tick over. And I really like that. So when we started the race again, we still had the same amount of race left. It was just like an extended commercial break. We could go and get ice cream and crisps and stuff. So I didn't mind that at all. I wouldn't I don't mind stopping the race. I I I think I'm a little bit with Alex here. Uh, let's go on to the battle of the front three and let's end that before, in fact, this is the podium. So we are talking about the podium places. So, I mean, if I was a professional slick type presenter who had all his um, had all his soundboard stuff lined up, I could press this. Ah, uh, there it is. It, there, the song was eventually there. It's rights free because it's really old. So you can't have a go at me for using the podium music. Uh, we will end the show before the awards by talking, of course, about the top three. We've touched on all of them um, a little bit. So let's start with, it's kind of the good, the bad, and the um, the ugly. No, they're, they're all attractive young men. I'm only joking. Who am I to judge at my bloated 
age and weight. Uh, but there was some ugliness to start with, with Lance Stroll. And I'll upset some people and say that there is no greater analogy for privilege in this world than Lance Stroll being several places behind his teammate, having qualified behind his teammate, being completely gifted the effective lead of the race, and then from that position, choking it really, stuffing it uh, into the exit in the uh, the exit of the entry of one of the chicanes, and then still finishing on a podium, getting prizes, and everybody clapping and saying, "Didn't you do well, Alex?" I know I'm bitter. I know I'm twisted. I know I've got a working class chip on my shoulder. I know I'm a Perez fan, and it's hurting me. The last talk keeps pulling out these results. But today, can I be forgiven today to go, that was just the oddest podium and just what? And it shouldn't be. Why? I've thoroughly been enjoying giving Perez stick <laughs> over the course of this season. Even if I, depends on what I actually believe, but I don't, I, 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 I leave it on for comedy effect. But, um, and I do enjoy winding you up. However, I cannot bring myself to say, yay, well done, Stroll. No, Beat I know. Perez yeah, again. Yeah. I can't bring myself to do it because, yeah, that you've got to take your opportunity when it comes. However, the opportunity that came to him wasn't the opportunity to finish third. The opportunity that came to him today was to win this race. Yes, thank he you. Was more than oh. capable, had the, had the equipment more than capable. And if it was Perez, I think Perez would have won this race today. And he fluffed it he fluffed the start yeah. and then he screwed it up at the second chicane and that is entirely on him he could have had a race win today and he looked dejected on the on the podium i actually thought we'd have the happiest podium we've ever had today we didn't, <laughs> we didn't the only all. person was actually thrilled was gasly because science was annoyed that he was second and not first for finishing three tenths behind gasly and stroll knows he should have won matt so, he should have won yeah, De- make, the, make the case make day. the case defend stroll uh, well I can't. Stroll should have won. But I will defend him to the following extent that a start, a standing start Mm. with your fuel tanks more than half empty is absolutely not the same as a standing start with full fuel tanks. And say what you will, I'm not sure the team adequately prepared him for that because the thing that really killed him off the line was wheel spin suggesting that he wasn't running the proper amount of revs or wasn't managing his clutches correctly. And that's something that the team engineer could have addressed with him while the cars were in the pit lane. Like you're going to be starting at the front, but here's what you need to know about how your car is going to behave this time around. Okay. Could the engineer have stopped him from locking up and stuffing it into a chicane? Oh, that, that was entirely different. He totally missed his breaking point. We've all been there in iRacing. He was busy looking at his opponent, and then he looked up and said, oh, I should have braked 50 meters ago. That's bad. Yep. And uh, just barely managed to avoid taking Raikkonen out and causing another safety car, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm going to revel in this one. I'm going to get to tell Matt that he's wrong and that his point is invalid because they were all starting on half tanks. It is exactly the same for all of them. Oh, and mm. I think it's more the case that Lance Stroll was, I think Lance Stroll was second on the grid, knowing that that is technically first because Lewis had to serve his penalty and he choked. That's what happened. We have a fairly effective system on this podcast where I have a hand symbol for each person uh, or I point to me that I want to speak. 
Uh, and then I can tell from people, they give me hand signals back and you can't see it on the stream. But Matt just, he was so incensed there that he audibly went, oh no, you come to me next. Go on then. W- why is Matt's, uh, Alex's challenge incorrect? Because his assumption is that everyone else automatically knew to do that and their team didn't prep them for it. Yeah. That's what I would say right uh, off of the bat. Doesn't negate your point. Could easily be choking. But neither one of us have proof. And no. of the things that went wrong for him, that wheel spin didn't happen for anybody else. And so it does lead you to wonder a wee bit. Okay, so I I do think that the Stroll choked in the chicane. He locked up under pressure. It's fine. It's like the, the most elite form of motorsport. But he did, and Racing Point could have won today. And I think most other drivers on the grid, a speculation, of course, but in that Racing Point, would have come out of that red flag period and gone and won the race. Um and Lance Stroll hasn't. And I don't think Lance Stroll is the very top level of Formula One driver. Come at me, mistapexpodcast at gmail.com. But someone in the chat room said, look, maybe Perez wouldn't have won it because he was having a bit of a mare and he wasn't doing very well. I was critical of Perez today as well. Um, it hurt. It hurt to see him again at the start be too cautious. Behind Bottas on the main straight, even before turn one, there was an opportunity to go left and up the inside of Bottas rather than risk going up the gap and having to put wheels on the grass, which Daniel Ricciardo did when he was squeezed. Ricciardo went up on the grass and he got away with it and ended up being in a good position. Perez ducked out, tried to go the other way, by which time he then got swamped behind him. He again pulled out on uh, on Bottas when there was a chance into Lesmos. It, not on a normal lap, no, that's not an overtaking place. But here into turn in, in, on lap one, maybe it was. Um, you know, then he let himself get a bit suckered by Norris. And then I think he had a bit of a tangle with Max Verstappen a bit later on. So, yes, I'm not blind to the fact that Perez has been underperforming recently this season. So, yeah, don't come at me for that. Let's get to the top two, though. Ellen, that that battle with Gasly and Sainz, uh, there was four seconds to make up. It looked like Sainz had the pace. Gasly also looked like he had little answers here and there. Who did you find yourself gunning for in the end in that battle? I think it had to be Gasly. I just, whether it's just for the emotive point of view, like everything he's <laughs> been through and everything he's been pushing for recently, to see him go out and just fight till the end, you know, he would have known, you know, what was coming behind him and that if he made mistakes, they would show up. But he he kept pushing like, you know, like he has pretty much consistently, consistently this year, I'd have to say. You know, he's been really good I don't know whether it's just I don't yeah I'm not entirely sure how to pin or like where to pin it on what's causing the success whether it's Mm. you know the car or whether it's just the mentality that he's got now you know I don't think Red Bull was the best place for for him and I think you know with you saying at the start I was biting my tongue and you know (laughs) I I think I don't think going back there is a good a good answer for him um, and and an option but yeah, it was just so good to see him push on. And, you know, would it have been nice to see him a bit closer and really see him fight? Maybe, but, yeah. you know, I'm I'm very content. Uh, so you were content with the, the Gasly win. Uh, I'll put this to you. You're saying Red Bull's not the best atmosphere for him. I think, I think that it is irresistible now for, for Red Bull uh, to make that change. I, I can't see them not making that change. They're going, they're going to have to. In fact, I think it's definitely going to happen. Um, whether he wants to or not is irrelevant. Whether he should mm. or not is irrelevant because uh, Helmut Marco is going to make the call and they're probably going to swap him back. But could it not be, Ellen, that he's now a season and a half older, 
wiser, faster. And he did seem to come into F1 a little bit immature and a little bit undercooked. And maybe he's just better now. Yeah, maybe. But are we just going to see this yo-yoing between <laughs> him and Albon and who is feeling which team better at which point, who's feeling which car better at which point? I, you know, I, I think if he was going to do it, I think, you know, he would have done it back then. You know, oh, he would have had really? that scrappiness and he would have uh. gone for it. I, I think so. I think, yeah, I think he's matured so much. You know, when he first came into Red Bull, I didn't particularly like him as a driver I didn't really I wasn't a huge fan mm. but seeing him mature the way he has done over the past few years I I have a lot of respect for him now uh, Alex then Matt I I understand why you think they should put Gasly back in but could it just be that that Red Bull second seat is just not a nice place to be you get all the secondhand toys it's you're literally the not the not loved accidental second child, and <laughs> it's and normally just, the third uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> struggling with my two year old at the moment, I know the feeling, um, and I just don't think that he'll that you get the service being the number two Red Bull driver. And I think, like you say, mm -hmm. they may want to put him back. I don't think he'll want to go because no. I think he'll just end up finding himself five to seven tenths a second off of Max Verstappen because at the moment you don't want to go against Max Verstappen. You know, he's one of two of the best drivers in the world at the moment and untouchable. And I just think you need to you need to nurture Albon. It's his second season in the sport. He's finally finished his first season with Red Bull. Mm -hmm. Give the guy some more time because he has the speed. He just seems to be getting in in his in his own way at the moment and they need to nurture him. Quick correction well, for you there. For. Quick correction for you. Everybody knows the least favourite child is the third boy in a family of three boys and one girl. Because they were like, boy, oh, it'd be nice to have a girl. Ah, oh, two boys. Ah, oh, we, we one. We don't want a third one. We'll try one more time for a girl, and it's a boy. They hate that kid. Then they try again and get a girl. So that quick correction on that. Uh, but Matt, I just think it's different. I think it's different this time. I don't think it's an, an impossible position to be in. I think they just put two very quick, raw, young, inexperienced kids twice in a row, and it went wrong twice in a row. Gasly version one went wrong. Albon has been worse than than Gasly. I think they've put a fire under his butt and said, Gasly didn't get his elbows out. You need to get your elbows out. And Albon's making mistake after mistake. He's pushing hard. He's not driving within himself. He's going off in qualifying. He's having crashes. He's hitting Hamilton and then hitting Hamilton. I know. But he's in those incidents. I know people are blaming Hamilton for those. But he's in incident after incident in qualifying and free practice. I think he's done worse than Gasly has done. And a mature Gasly that's had time in Toro Rosso to go and get a, a podium and now a race win. Not only am I saying it should happen, I'm saying it will happen. It will happen this season and he will surprise us by outperforming Albon. That's my call. And you're entitled to be wrong about that. <laughs> okay. uh, looking backwards at the season that they shared together mm -hmm. in the same car at Red Bull, Albon outperformed Gasly. This is not something that can be argued with. Uh, Even oh, this yes, year, you can. Yes, Albon can. has been in a position to win a race, something that Gasly has never been in when he was in the senior car. And I will simply point out that, yes, admittedly, the contact at the beginning of the race pretty much ruined Albon's race because he damaged his floor. That in qualifying, where everyone has been giving him such a hard time, yep. he was three-tenths off of Verstappen. I think what you're looking at here is that the Red Bull was a terrible car at the circuit and arguably worse 
than the AlphaTauri was. And I think Gasly is in a car in which he is confident and he can extract yeah, sure. the lap time, put him back in this Red Bull seat, he would be worse. Quick one, quick one. Uh, generally, is Red Bull a better car at the beginning or the end of the season? The end of the season. Did Albon have the Red Bull last year at the beginning or the end of the season? The end of the season. So I can argue with you, it wasn't the same car that, that they were in. Albon had much the, the much better Red Bull of the two last season. Van Jean. The biggest thing that Albon needs to sort isn't his racecraft, isn't his actual out-and-out race speed, it's his qualifying. His qualifying is the thing that is dragging him down. His qualifying is the thing that is putting him in the mid-pack, which is making him have to fight and get wheel-to-wheel with people and cause problems. And because you're in a faster car, you feel like you need to be in front, and therefore there is a bit more urgency. And he, all he needs to do is be qualifying a tenth or two off of max and all of these problems go away. Um, and then he's kind of in a Bottas Hamilton position, which maybe is what Red Bull might want. I don't think he calculates risk at all in the way a racing driver in that seat should though. I don't, I think he goes into things and doesn't really, he doesn't learn from his mistakes, I think. And, you know, we saw it in qualifying, we saw it in free practice and it's, it's happened before, you know, yeah. with, you know, when he's come up against Lewis, you know, it, he doesn't calculate risk as much as he should. And I think, you know, I think he needs to be nurtured. Um, but I, I, it's difficult because he needs to start understanding the position he puts the car in and, you know, calculating risk is a huge thing as a racing driver. And it doesn't seem that he's quite cracked it yet. The the risk reward, I think, the risk reward mm. of Alex Albon yeah. has been uh, a little bit off as well. Uh, look, his seat has been under pressure. This Gasly win has come at exactly the wrong time for Alex Albon. I really hope he is in good company this evening. I hope there's a big Red Bull arm around his shoulder. Um, they've got a great team spirit. I'm I'm sure there is, um, but I think I think he's got a one-way ticket to Alpha Tauri. And it's going to come sooner rather than later. Uh, the last person we've not talked about, of course, in in that is um, is Carlos Sainz. And Alex, you alluded to it. He looked he looked gutted. It looked like a really muted celebration. Incredible, really. It's his best ever result in F one, and he's gutted. And you you got to admire that, haven't you? You got to love that. He wanted to win today, didn't he? He, he was he was having constant conversation with his engineer over the radio, and he was he, he literally said to his engineer, "I want this win." <laughs> shut up now let me go and win this race and i was i'm because i'm a mclaren fan I've, i am a lewis hamilton fan as we all know but i'm not actually a mercedes fan i've always been a mclaren fan unfortunately there was a driver there for a while that made me not so happy to be a mclaren fan but um i am a mclaren fan and i was bouncing up and down for those last three laps <laughs> as science was closing in and i was screaming at the television Aww. because i really wanted to see a mclaren win um but to be fair, he drove impeccably today and put Norris in the shade today, which yeah. he hasn't properly done this season. But today he firmly put Norris back, despite Norris having slightly dodgy pit stop, but Norris was nowhere. Underscore, underscore, you're up. I heard something really nice. I think it was from Lando Norris. He said, the reason why, no, it's a good thing that they get disappointed with where they are. You know, everyone looks in and thinks they're doing so well. Why are they disappointed? 
But it just shows how much they believe in that car and believe in their own abilities. And as much as it might come across as a bit like, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you happy? Why aren't you celebrating more? <laughs> it just shows how much they believe in that car and the position they've found themselves in. It's comments like that from Lando that despite all the jokes and all the gaming and all these things and everyone trying to be cool like Lando actually shows the brain and the intelligent mature head that is on those shoulders um which is why again I, I i hold lando again in massively high regard and um yeah he's I'm, a class actor, yeah. that kid I'm, I'm gonna talk about lando a bit more in the awards uh, matt last point before we go to those awards and that's just gotta be that if you're a mclaren fan you're looking at a one two today that got walked out the door because of some rules that may or may not be entirely fair and you're going to say second mm. and fourth. Uh, look at where Racing Point finished. I think we will take that and be happy with it. But yeah, it's hard not to have a sense of what might have been because it was oh, oh, so close. And there's no doubt about it that Signs in that car was the second best driver on the circuit today and pretty much this weekend. Well, they might be strong contenders for Thing of the Week. got it wrong didn't i it's it's thing of the weekend i suppose now thing of the weekend this is our awards section uh, and during this time i would like to get some chat room comments and i i would love my panel to also feel free to plug any upcoming projects if i've not given them a chance to do so but uh before we go to the comments uh before we go to the awards i have to say a a clumsy thank you because i don't think i can say thank you enough uh it's my 40th birthday today but I celebrated it yesterday by taking uh, my racing buddies, the guys who've been organising Miss Apex with me, and uh, the iRacing as well, just a handful of us. We went down racing at um, Daytona Milton Keynes. And before we started, we got into the car park. There was cameras set up. I was like, oh, why is there cameras set up? Uh, I, was like, I feel so ugly and fat today because it was a day that ended in Y. But they surprised me with an embarrassment of gifts. Um, you know this is a Patreon-supported show. The patrons uh, keep the lights on here. They cover all our running costs. They make this a viable thing for me and Matt to dedicate real hours to uh, and to do our best to bring this production to you guys. So we're a Patreon-supported show, but this was not to do with keeping the lights on. They just did a whip-around, organised by uh, the fantastic Richard Molden, uh, who organised it all and collected enough cash to get me full race gear. And, and, and as you know, Alex, I've always said... You shouldn't go karting unless you've got your own race gear and look dead flash. And now I am an OSW, which is um, someone who has own suit wisdom or an own suit wizard, perhaps. Yeah, it was it was rather awesome being able to have a camera in your face as you so nearly cried. You so nearly got <laughs> no, tears there from was you. Dust the normally that... emotionless spanners, we nearly got tears from you. As you realise yeah. that the cart suit matched matched tree faces, uh, yeah, um, I'm, no, I'm, was, I'm, yeah, I might have to work was, on my em- emoting and my emotions because I did catch my dad, my daughter saying, "Daddy doesn't feel things." But okay, but honestly, <laughs> I was I was genuinely on the verge of tears as they they brought out this race suit. It was not only in Mist Apex colours uh, with all the logos; it had flashes down the arm. They had my old core colours on my shoulder. They had Dad Hub posters. They had uh, Amanda Weaver mucky books. Uh, which is Matt's wife's uh, Mucky Books label on there. Um, and I can't say a good enough thank you. So I'm just going to say 
thank you so much. You absolutely made my day. It's literally the best gift I've ever received. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, love, blah, 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 all that. But monetarily, in like material value, that is the best gift I've ever received. So thank you, guys. Thank you for making uh, my birthday very, very special. That's my thing of the weekend, I guess. Now I've got another one. Uh, let's move on to thing of the weekend. Let's go for Alex Van Jean. What was your thing of the weekend? Um, it can be uh, the patrons who all support us at patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex and have a wonderful community in our Slack group and get uh, occasionally get extra episodes and an ad-free feed. Or it can be an ethereal concept or a driver or a team. Go. Well, the patrons are always our thing of every day. So <laughs> that goes without saying. Um I think I'm going to have to put it to Formula 1.5 just to finally see that pack in all their glory, doing the fights they do every single week, finally getting their moment in the spotlight and absolutely knocking it out of the park. It yeah. was amazing to see. I didn't actually, how much I was cheering for a McLaren to win, I didn't care who won. Once I knew Hamilton was out and both Ferraris are out and a Red Bull was out and one was at the back and Bottas <laughs> was still fifth. Um, uh, I just didn't care who won because it didn't matter who won because it was still going to be an amazing spectacle. And the thing I'm and actually, no, I'm going to save that for my, um, for my bad thing. But, okay. Um, Come on. You were on the yeah, verge so of going, awesome. you were on the verge of going, the real winner today was Formula One. Go on, say it, say it. I'll cut it in so that I you said I was never going to say that. You were definitely. I may be a dad that's... and I may be getting near to 40, <laughs> but I'm not that cheesy. That's where you were going. I, I'm going to go next. I'm going to steal the limelight. My thing of the weekend was the celebrations of uh, the Minardi team, the the, uh, the, the Alpha Tauri team. They they looked delighted. They, uh, they let themselves be abandoned in joy. And despite there not being a crowd, Gasly's reaction was priceless. You could just see um, the raw emotion there. Uh, it did look a little bit like a computer game scene because there was no crowd. But, you know, he, he I, hopefully he was aware that there was millions of people around the world uh, watching him. And now Alpha Tauri or that factory have equaled Ferrari's record of wins at Monza since 2008, which is possibly a bit cruel. Oh, uh, Ellen, Ellen Ellard. What I was, was your, going to say yeah, Gasly. And I'm, I'm still going to go for that. Um, drive of the day for me quite easily. He earned that. He deserved it. I think he needed it. It is just, you know, it was emotional. I think you'd have to be quite cruel to sit there <laughs> and not understand how much it meant to him. Um, like a lot of people saying that in the chat room, Michael being one of them, just touching on the reaction, just sort of the way, you know, afterwards, he just sat there just reflecting. You know, he had that moment where he was just absolutely elated. But, you know, he sat there and reflected and that's, you know, that's what you want to see from a driver. You know, obviously he's going to get caught up, like probably, probably around now, having the time of his life. But also he took, you know, took those moments to reflect on what that meant to him and the people in his life. It is a bit of a change from, you know, perhaps Lewis Hamilton, who's like, yeah, another one. That was pretty cool. OK, thanks. Bye, guys. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see that kind of that, that story. And I, I know people get upset with Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton winning a lot. And I know this is uh, a year where we've swung to a set of regulations, uh, a state of a set of regulations where one team and one driver is dominating. I know that. But doesn't it make it all the more sweet when something like this happens? Isn't it all the more special for the season we've had for Gasly to go and do that? Without the bitter, Matt, the sweet don't taste so sweet. Hopefully no one's seen the film that's from. So that I'll, I made that up. I made that up. What's your 
thing of the weekend. Oh, this is tricky. I mean, you have Seb taking out the polystyrene barrier at the first <laughs> chicane, which yes. is kind of fun. You have McLaren just absolutely rolling up the rest of the grid as the weekend goes on. But I think my thing of the weekend has to be the first non-Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari winner since 2013 when Kimi Raikkonen did it in a Lotus in Australia. That is a very long time to go, and it is awesome that we have seen a winner that's not one of those three teams. Was it Australia? In person. Was it Australia? Abu Dhabi. That's what, that's what the WhatsApp chat said, and Kyle Powers. You can oh. blame him if his research was faulty. I'm, I, th- I thought that was Abu Dhabi. Maybe it was Abu Dhabi. Oh, okay. Uh, but who, uh, was there a Red Bull, Ferrari, or Mercedes on the podium that day? I honestly don't know, but probably. So what I was thinking was, when was the last time none of those teams was on the podium? That would be, let's get Sean Kelly, uh, F1 stat man, on the, on the phone. Um, all this positivity is annoying me. Let's go, let's go negative. No, that's the wrong... Oh, Spanners, you missed the apex. Oh, no, you missed the apex. The edit will reflect that I got that very, very right. Isn't that right, Steve, video editor, who puts together all these lovely scenes and sets for us? Thank you very much, Steve. The missed apex award, apart from uh, me getting things uh, wrong uh, and pressing the wrong buttons, uh, who missed the apex for you? Ellen. Remember to unmute myself. Nah, we're um, all going wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Alex album. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. I you know, like I said, I I don't think it's just just because of him. I think there was some again just cal- miscalculating risk and just miscalculating things um, along the road. Um, but yeah, I just I think he needs nurturing. I don't think it's this is not me completely you know slagging <laughs> off album. Um, but yeah, I just think he needs a bit more, bit more support and a bit more love. Alex, before you defend him too hard, there was nearly a Red Bull Junior bookend on the grid today. Only Giovinazzi was stopping it being Gasly at one end, Albon at the other. It's quite a good defence. On the first lap, um, Stroll comes across, wedges in Gasly, Gasly hits Albon, sends Albon into the air and damages the car. So that explains a lot for mm. Albon today. Did he not get repaired on the red flag? Not that kind of stuff. Bits of broken carbon fiber can't be fixed. I also don't think that explains like the the obviously free practice don't matter, but the performances in there in there in quality. Yeah. I don't think that you know. I don't think that backs backs that up. Well, Alex, you know, as you know from karting events, if you if you qualify poorly and get out qualified by spanners, for example, just as an example, that puts you back in battles with twins. Twins who aren't even worth as much as a whole real normal regular person, Alex. So you've got to qualify well to get out of that trouble. I beat yes, Alex yes, at karting. I beat Alex at karting. Yes, you beat me at karting. Okay, we went karting for Spanners' birthday <laughs> and Spanners beat me. However, if we talk about practice and where I was in practice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then talk about what happened in the race, can you sit there and look at me through my video camera mm-hmm, eyes mm-hmm. and tell me you were better than me yesterday? I can look at and you. Can in- believe, I believe yourself. I can look at you in the eyes and say, I finished fourth. Which camera are you on? I finished fourth and you finished sixth. <laughs> so I'm going to take that. No, obviously. I, 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 yeah. I very firmly believe that I now know how Max Verstappen feels when he's chasing Valtteri Bottas. You think you had an inferior cart and that's what you're blaming <laughs> me out. But, it was uh, seven, tenths slower, seven tenths slower than my practice cart. I we, even asked them if I could keep my cart. 
we've got to move on. We've, we've got to move on from that. But what I will say is, I'm very proud that I am at least in the pace window. Where if you guys do get a duff cart, I can I can get into that window and and defeat you as I did. You yesterday. did drive very well, though. I will give you Ooh. props and say you drove consistently and very well. That's because if you have your own race suit, you're brilliant and fantastic and handsome. So the patrons bought me about four tenths on the track, and that's why I am I'm the Van Gene now. I'm the race analyst. Uh, missed the Apex Award. Alex, who missed the Apex for you? Coronavirus. Because what coronavirus denied us of today was the fans to miss that amazing, amazing podium where um, where we have an Italian, dro- Italian team on the podium, the Italian national anthem, playing at Monza on that amazing podium. And that cost us today. I, do you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad somebody is finally holding coronavirus to account because so far it's been all positivity, all like great news reports. Go coronavirus. Coronavirus for president. 2020 i'm glad i'm glad you're finally holding it to account for that uh matt two rumpets at matt pt 55 your wife writes mucky books that people might want to buy for their spouses or themselves not kink shaming here uh, also you would claim that they have some good stories and stuff yeah i only read yeah i only read amanda weaver's mucky books for the stories honest gov uh at av a weaver writes on twitter buy those matt sort of secondhand get some of that money and can eat food who missed the apex for you well it's hard to believe it's not been brought up yet and first i i feel the visceral need to reply to ellen that in qualifying our friend alex Albin was only three tenths back of max verstappen so mm-hmm. it's not like he did a tragic job sorry 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 I'm, i misheard fast teammate it cut out did you say three tenths ahead of max verstappen Three tenths behind. Oh, so which b- behind for me has right. long been, long been the, the like. Am I in the ballpark with my teammate? Am I three tenths within? Then yeah, okay, I I I'm fine with that. Uh, uh, right, reply, Ellen, because I I think I don't think that was a defense. Where was Max Verstappen? Like yeah. You know, oh, he it, retired from the race. No, no. In quality, in quality. I mean, in quality. <laughs> you know, <it laughs> three tenths ahead of Albon, of course. Yeah, exactly, and that it's not no <laughs> that's i don't think that's valid i i hear where you're coming from but it max just it, it again didn't you know the, it wasn't there it faint wasn't praise there. that's it you're damning him with faint praise there matt by saying <laughs> saying oh but he was he was bad and behind but not by much now come on what was your missed apex award bad thing it had to be it had to be mercedes missing the pit call for hamilton yeah done true that's fair it. enough all right. They, they went first place. Done. Bye bye. See you later. Uh, my missed apex award goes to all F1 media. Uh, please, please, please stop. Whenever you speak to to Lando Norris, stop turning into the Bantosaurus Teen Rex. You are you are not a plucky and cocksure twenty one year old racing driver. Please just let your job is to be the straight man. Please just let Lando Norris be fun. And funny, because he is. The worst thing is when you go, Lando, do you remember that funny thing you did ages ago? Be funny again. Be funny now. I'm listening. Be funny now. And you could see uh, there was one particular interview. They were like so giggly and beyond it, Alex, that they kind of put him on edge. He looks paranoid. He was like, what are you all laughing at? What's going on here? What's happening? And it's because the second he sat down, they were all like, here we go. Band's time. And I was just like, oh, dude, no, play it straight and just enjoy what he does. 
he uh, he handled it really well though to be honest because um he got asked um if he was if he felt sorry for Charles Leclerc and he was like no he's driving for Ferrari and he's had race <laughs> wins and podiums why on earth would I feel sorry for him and yeah I, they just just let him let Lando do Lando and we will all enjoy it, especially next year when it's him and Danny Rick. They've got the best banter at the moment anyway, yeah. and it's only going to get better. I can't wait. Matt? I'm going to say that I get more useful technical information out of his interviews with Sky than I do any other five drivers. He's, he, he really does have an interesting and accurate view of what's going on and what separates out where they're doing good and where they're doing bad. And he's really not afraid to say things like, Oh, well, they run their suspension like this. We run ours like that. And you're like, oh, oh, well, now that's a whole thing I could write a story about. <laughs> but Lando Norris has brought it on himself a little, so he can't complain. He has set himself up as the clown prince of Formula One, all to our benefit. However, we wonder why, you know, in this PR world, you have so many people being very closed off because they have people in their PR saying, no, just present that, fl- that front professional uh, attitude towards the camera and that is what you'll get back. In a way, Lando Norris, he streams so much that, and he he does so many sort of antics and funny answers. In a way, he's set himself up for that. But at this point, can we play? Ellen, do I, you know, do I have do I have a little bit of a point from a PR point of view? He's kind of brought it on himself a bit. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's partly just to do with the time we're in and the era we're in. You know, everything is open to everyone. And in a world where it's about building fans and interacting with your fans, you know, what he's doing is great. And it's just bringing a new younger audience into Formula One. I did find it a bit frustrating, though, when in the comms they were like, oh, and Lando Norris fighting the Hornets like two weeks ago. Someone, I can't remember who he was. You know, who he was overtaking at the time oh that was a sting for them and I was like that is just so forced you know no one's gonna relate to that if they weren't watching the stream yeah. leave the stream to to Lando yeah. to control and leave that to his space leave you know when he's racing let him race and don't try and combine the worlds too much <laughs> fair enough ponies awards I'm looking around my panel. Anyone want to nominate a Pony Award? Generally, the Pony Award is for people who are like, kind of like, oh, dude, what's going on? That kind of thing. Ellen first, then Matt. Can I have, and again, I'm not sagging him off at all, (laughs) but Lewis Hamilton getting out of his car, hopping on his scooter and scooting off to the officials. Um, I loved it. It's such a vibe. That's what I aspire to be. Um, But I think just it was full of attitude, but I think in a positive way, a positive pony, let's say, Uh, (laughs) going off and being like, right, lads, let's let's see what your evidence is. uh, European on Twitter tweeted us and said, special shout out to... His, I believe that's his trainer and PA, I've forgotten her name, sorry, uh, who handed him a scooter. But by the time he got to the steward, she was already there. So I, I think she's like a fitness instructor as well. So she was probably pegging it around and she's always like holding like T-shirts and bags and helmets and water bottles and all sorts. Matt, Pony Award. Botas. Oh, yeah. On the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In traffic. I have no engine modes. I can't drive this car. I have a puncture. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I know everyone wants me to say Ocon for his go at his engineer after the end of the race where he felt like they missed a big opportunity, but nah, not even close. Valtteri was having a proper, wait, am I using the word right? Strop on the radio today. He was having a strop. He wanted a pony. Brilliant. Both those guys get ponies. Oh, both Mercedes. Both Mercedes drivers get a pony this week. Sorry, guys. Uh, Matt, you have two minutes 
for Comment of the Week. Comment of the Week. So you can have a thousand as long as you get it into two minutes. I'm going I'm to shout how timing's at you, how well you're doing. Go. Right. So first, as always, we thank Joshua Smith for contributing through the Super Chat and wishing you a happy birthday. Huh. And pointing out, and I think this is a positive thing, that it won't be long until you overtake me for senior citizen on the podcast. You'd have to die for me to overtake you. Oh, so not a good thing then. Not for you, no. Death is bad. Avoid that. All right, now down to the actual contenders. First, we have Lydia Cruz, almost winner last week, in with hope going to be outlawed in the 2021 regs. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, Dominic Oxford with a very clever Leclerc crashed Lewis party. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's contender. Uh, Paolo Veri in with Botas is albinizing to watch. Oh, that's a stretch of a pun. He must have that's three kids. He must have three kids. Easily. Udavir Kapoor in with seems like all good Italian strategists are in the other team. <laughs> because, of course, AlphaTari is an Italian team. Yeah. Um, 30 seconds Lappers left. in... How many? 30. I wasn't counting. Let's say 30. Oh, yeah. Well, I've only got like 17 more, so I'll be done. No, 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 no problem here. <laughs> Clappers in with Mercedes changed all of Botas' car apart from the bit that was making it slow. Driver swaps not allowed under a red flag. Yeah, it's the nut between cool. the steering wheel and the seat, isn't it? Uh, I hammers in with had Hulkenberg had Stroll's car, he would have driven it to P1 only to crash in Parabolica on the last lap. He is cursed. Because we all know yeah. Hulkenberg and Podium. The Hulken curse. Um. And then Vermin's finally in with Ferrari strategy. We're so slow, we're not fitting brakes for Monza. Besides, there's only five corners. Give us a winner, Matt. Oh, I don't know. I'm so tempted, but I think, I, I think we're going to have to give it to Lydia this week. Hope outlawed in the 2021 Rex. And that's not just because she sponsored a segment and asked you to go to patreon.com forward slash Lydia Cruz. With a Z, Lydia, you are winner of... No, come on, Spanish. You are winner of... Comment of the week. Yay, I got that right. Thanks for joining us for this Italian race GP race review. We've got another Italian Grand Prix as we go to Mugello next week. Please do consider following our panel. Follow Ellen Ellard. Search for Ellen Ellard on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll find her stuff there. Follow Alex Van Jean, because if you don't follow him, you're in front of him, and if you're in front of him, he'll punt you. But if you want to follow him on Twitter, go to at Alex Van Jean. It's V-A-N-G. E-E-N. And then you can also follow Matt at MattPT55. And you can follow both me and Matt on Twitter. You can find us in the Missed Apex Podcast Facebook group. Or you can follow, search for Matt Trumpets and search for Richard Reddy on Facebook. We'll see you for a race review in just a week's time. Until then, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Yeah, that's right. It changed a little bit. And you can't say I just changed it because Ellen was on here because I already changed it before with Matt Carter. I have grown. I'm 40. I'm mature, Matt. I, I've kept it up. And Alex looks ridiculous on the stream now. So you are not mature. <laughs> What's going on? What on earth has happened there? <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.